Welcome to another episode of the Family CTO Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Tharler. Today we'll be wrapping up this week's podcasting theme, exploring two truly game-changing technologies. If you're a fan of cool technology, well-designed gadgets, personal success stories, and super smart software, even if you simply enjoy listening to podcasts and have no plans to ever produce one, you'll appreciate this episode. I'm super excited to review an artificial intelligence-driven application that makes transcribing and editing multimedia both easy and intuitive. I think you'll really dig it. But first, we're going to chat with an audio entrepreneur with an interesting backstory and an even more interesting device that he's producing as we speak, thanks to closing out an extremely successful crowdfunding campaign for his company's second product. So, let's get right to it. Our guest today is Anthony Matana from Hook Audio. He's here to talk about a very special microphone he's invented that's gotten a huge response on Kickstarter. But before we get into all that, let's take a step back and talk about your journey. Anthony, in terms of audio, you started your career as a theatrical sound designer and composer. What did you actually do? First of all, Scott, thanks so much for having me on the podcast today. I really, really appreciate it. And yeah, my journey into microphone manufacturer, Kickstarter, startup craziness starts with a pretty crazy career field as well, which is working as a theatrical sound designer. I sort of got my start making sound effects for Broadway musicals and then touring around the country, writing original music and more like soundscape designs for plays and regional theaters. I did some sound effects for some Broadway productions. King Kong, which was in Australia, moved over to Broadway for a brief stint, did some stuff with Spider-Man. Any sort of like heavy sound-based shows. My passion has always been in telling stories through sound. Audio is as important to the visuals in a storytelling experience because after all when we're in film and theater it's a 50-50 experience. It's audio and it's visual and great sound changes a lot. What drew me to theatrical sound design was that it was able to on any given show on any given basis and every given theater take on its own form because of the space in which you're designing it. I like the idea that I could write music for a 400 seat theater and it would change or evolve if that show moved to then a 4,000 seat theater, right? A clarinet and an instrumentation and how it works in the acoustic of a space might not be heard in a space three times the size of it. And I love the challenges that the natural acoustics of a theater brings to sonic storytelling. That's what always drew me. So my mind has always been in the way sound works in spaces and how you can utilize that sound to tell effective stories. Very interesting. Uh, So it's six years ago, 2014, you're 25, and you decided to develop a binaural audio product. So first off, tell us what binaural is and then what inspired you to bring this product to the masses? Totally. Yeah. And a lot of people don't know what binaural audio is. Even though they experience it every day. Exactly. Oh, man, you took the words like right out of my mouth. (laughs) Binaural audio is audio captured identically to the way you hear the world. So the basis of thinking of it is you hear the world binaurally, right? You don't hear in stereo. You don't hear left and right. You hear in front, behind, above, below. 
And a binaural microphone is able to capture all of those minute details. And the way in which we've done it for so long is by placing microphones, whether it's inside a human head's ears or a dummy head's ears, right? So when someone speaks behind you and the sound hits the back of our ears, some of those high frequencies get absorbed just like they would a wall or a floor from a roommate or a, a neighbor up above you in an apartment. Mm -hmm. The result is a recording or a, a file that you hear that sounds a little muffled. So you know that it's behind you. When you place a microphone in each of your ears, it's like putting a record button on your eardrum, capturing it identically to the way you've heard it. So my job at the time when I was working as an assistant for a designer was setting up this binaural dummy head in the house to record these performances. And arguably, I can't say it's the most popular or the most well-known because even still people don't know about it, is a binaural microphone made by Neumann, who's owned by Sennheiser. It's about a $14,000 dummy head with expensive microphones, really high quality sound, big cables, adapters. And I would set this thing up in the theater seats. And the goal was to set it up like my head was set up, right? And there was a moment when I was in the theater and I'm looking at the dummy head, then looking at the stage, looking back at the dummy head, looking at myself and being like, why can't I put a record button to not the dummy head, but my head? And yeah. how do I get it to work on every device? The yeah. most amazing thing about binaural audio is that it can be experienced on any two channel system. No special software or hardware required. So like our YouTube channel, it has hundreds of videos from customers all over the world captured in binaural audio. You can listen on a regular pair of headphones and be transported into the head of the recordist to hear what they heard. And so I thought, how the heck can I bring this vinyl recording to the masses? And that was at a time, 2014, 2015, where Bluetooth headphones really hit its critical mass. Yeah. A couple of years before, Apple had bought Beats, where they were still wired at that time. But Bluetooth headphones had shifted from something that wasn't unreliable or untrustworthy and to be the standard. And I thought there's got to be a way to integrate this. And that's how we made the Verse, the first pair of Bluetooth headphones with built-in binaural microphones designed to capture it right to your phone without any adapters, without any hardware, without any expensive upgrades or transferring of gear. That's great. And I just want to underscore something that you said that even though it does take some sort of a, a special setup to record this, that people can listen on any headphones. And it's wild that we have such a crazy reaction to that because we have been so hyper-realized and so hyper-attenuated to how we capture and share visuals in storytelling that the minute you get hyper-realistic to sound, people are like, whoa, 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 you know? We yeah. put a camera to our eye to let people see what we see, but we don't put a microphone to our ears, right? Every, every camera angle we look at is from someone's perspective. Yeah. Yet the sound isn't. Yeah. And I've, I've always been a big proponent of I'd rather have a, a smaller or lesser TV and a, a better sound system because that makes all the difference. Yep. So we're just catching up here. So you have the verse. What I liked about it when this came out was that it worked with Android and iOS phones and action mm -hmm. cans. And then a couple years later, he released a, a second improved version of the same product. It was just a big software update. It wasn't a big hardware change to it. This was a microphone that was heavily reliant on firmware updates and a mobile app to communicate the way it needed to wirelessly. That was yeah. another way that I tried to bring 
binaural recording into the masses, which was, if I'm going to make a headset in 2015, it can't be wired. That's around the time when Apple was getting rid of the headphone jack. So I felt Bluetooth is here to stay. If I'm going to bring this to the masses, if I'm going to bring it at an affordable price, it needs to be wireless. And that's where we got into the world of creating pro-grade Bluetooth-based microphones. We built a Bluetooth codec from the ground up from scratch that allows us to stream dual channel 24-bit 48k wave files over bluetooth at very low latency well under the latency spectrum that you would have when you have differentiation and that's what allowed us to work with our mobile apps the mobile app is just a camera app you open it up and you go to record video but instead of using the built-in mic on the phone it overrides it from our microphones very cool and so you're putting out this product and it's very successful when did you start thinking about this new microphone product? Because I noticed a few months ago, before the crowdfunding campaign even started, you began posting articles on LinkedIn about microphones. I thought, huh, that's interesting. I think what we found from our reaction to our users and the, the response we were getting from our first product is that the Verse did something really great and that it allowed everyone to finally like really be able to capture the world around them. But there was also a part that was missing of people that really wanted to capture themselves. The verse is not great for capturing just like the own human voice. It's like an omnidirectional microphone. It's getting everything. Yeah. And sometimes you don't want to get everything. <laughs> Even a year and a half ago, before we all got shut into our homes and slammed onto Zoom calls because of a pandemic, I saw a world that was working in which YouTube content creators, podcasters, streamers were all working connected from mobile devices, were all very portable and versatile and needed a good microphone to work with these devices. And that's where I entered into the world of lavalier microphones, lavalier or clip-on lapel microphones, a type of microphone that has been proven as the sort of standard for picking up the voice and a reporter journalist for decades, but hasn't been improved. We're talking this big mic capsule with a cable that runs to a belt pack transmitter that uses radio frequencies, which are arguably getting narrower and narrower for microphones as more HD television shows and things like that take up that frequency spectrum. The RF frequency band has been limited to these things. Then you have to send it to a receiver and then it comes out, which is XLR. My phone doesn't take XLR. My phone doesn't even take eighth inch. So it's like that concept of the lavalier mic wasn't, it's not sustainable. It's not going to work as we continue to um, evolve with our content creation. So I thought we've got this Bluetooth codec that's been proven from our first product. Yeah. Why can't we incorporate this into other forms? And I, I look at a microphone like a camera lens. There's no one size fits all. You change that lens depending on what you're shooting. And the same goes with this. And so for people creating content remotely, they need a vocal mic and they need a vocal mic that is versatile. And that's where the hook lav was born. And then through the pandemic from introducing more e-learning, more communication, it just felt right. It just made sense. How is the development process different in this case, both in terms of lessons you already learned and then new types of challenges that arose? Oh my God, it was so much more fun. That was the biggest thing. I just didn't know what I was doing the first time around. You can't read enough. You can't work for someone enough. You can't listen enough. You learn how to launch products by freaking launching products. And you yeah. just throw yourself down a hill and you fall in all these holes. And then the next time you throw yourself down the hill, you just know where like 65% of the holes are. 
Yeah. You still hit 35% of them. But every time you hit less and less holes, that you're just falling down this hill. Because it's in, it, it, there's no way to understand the full process from thinking of the concept to bringing on the team that's going to help you to then shopping out and trying to get money and then running out of money and finding more money to validate and fund the concept. And then having your engineers who you're clearly not paying enough because you're a bootstrap startup to stay on with passion to do that. And then to work through the manufacturer and to not understand all the manufacturing timelines or the certification costs or these little things that creep in, you go through the gauntlet the first time. And so the second time around, you're able to focus the right way. You're able to allocate the right amount of time. You're really able to manage expectations. That's the biggest thing. The, the beauty and the joy has been to really feel like we can properly manage expectations now and deliver on something that we're proud of. But it just, it only comes from doing it. That's why a lot of people don't and why a lot of people also fail because you just have to do it. And oftentimes doing it is the biggest problem. <laughs> so I feel very lucky. I feel very excited to be given another shot at the fences like this with our second product. And I think it's success from what we've seen in its launch and our brand that we've been able to push is evident of what we've been able to learn and how we've been able to do this. Yeah, so let's talk about the actual product. As you mentioned, it's called the Hook Lav, L-A-V, short for lavalier. Yeah. How big is it? Like how big a cross is it? It's a little larger than like the size of a half dollar, maybe two inches. It's all a self-contained unit. It, it looks like a very slick little circular microphone. Which is very important to us. I'm trying to bring microphones into the future. I'm trying to make them more accessible. I want to make microphones that don't look like microphones. Microphones are scary. Like they don't have to be. We can make them look cool. So design went heavily into this. The size of it, how it's completely contained. Think of it like, a, like an Oreo. It's yeah. a little larger than that, a little thicker than that but a nice sort of robust puck design with a very sturdy welded brushed uh, steel clip that works on the exterior of the enclosure. And what you can do is with one finger, press down on that clip, slide it onto your lapel, and the entire enclosure sits behind your clothing so that all you see is this really nice stylish metal ring that runs around your lapel. We wanted to almost look like a brooch clip or a nice like lapel clip. So you wouldn't even really be able to notice it that way. And the enclosure is designed that the, there are multiple digital MEMS microphones in the sort of cream filling of the Oreo, if you will, that sticks out from beneath the clothing to ensure a clean sort of directional recording, no matter how you clip this microphone on your clothing. And it definitely doesn't scream out microphone. It's the kind of thing that like, if somebody were really up close to you, they go, oh, what is that? It also weighs about 10 grams, which is important. Oh, wow. So at that weight, you could self-adhese it to your skin. You could put it completely under your clothing. You can kind of put it anywhere. Cool. So I think your Kickstarter just recently surpassed the half a million dollar mark on a 10,000 goal, mind you. So tell us more about the LAVs features, or sorry, the LAVs features, and, and why folks seem to be so excited about it. Again, I think what we learned from the verse had heavily constituted what we tried to put into the LAV. And I can think of two larger things to begin with, one of which is working as a wireless microphone with other applications. 
So with the verse, we included a recording cable that allowed you to record wired audio right from the USB jack on the verse to say the mic jack of your DSLR camera or a GoPro or something like that. What's really important though, is we want an external wireless microphone here that works with things like natively in the Instagram live app, the Facebook live app, YouTube live streaming, or works as a wireless microphone to a DSLR camera. Now, the problem that you face with that is like I mentioned before, we have this really revolutionary Bluetooth recording codec, but I'm not a big company, so Facebook doesn't care. So I can't get them to natively support it. So I thought, how do we find a workaround for that to still provide a high quality pro-grade wireless recording experience? So one of the features that I'm most excited about with the lob is called receiver mode that you can utilize with two hook lobs. You put them into receiver mode, they're the same microphone, but it allows one lav to send audio to the other wirelessly. And each lav is equipped with a line in, line out jack. So then you'll take a cable from that jack on the receiver lav and pump it right into the mic jack of your DSLR or your GoPro. What that also allows you to do is plug into the dongle of your iPhone or your Android. The funny thing about using an external microphone with smartphones is that if something is physically plugged into it, like a lightning microphone or something like that, you can open whatever app you want. And the OS is designed to be like, okay, we have an external microphone plugged in. So with this, you'll have a little dongle hanging off of your phone, which you could just double-sided Velcro to the back or anything like that. But in this mode, then you do truly have a wireless microphone recording experience on any app, on any phone. That's great. I mean, I, I love the flexibility and that it's such a great workaround because literally anything, any device you're using that has an audio jack suddenly becomes very easy to connect to. And it's kind of taking on the exact same concept of how lavalier microphones work now. This is just done in two products that weigh 10 grams each at a fraction of the size and a fraction of the price to work on any device. Because in this mode, you could still go into a mixer. You could go into a Bluetooth speaker. We've seen a lot of teachers want to amplify their voices. There's many different ways in which you can use that. The other cool thing about using two of the lobs is duet mode, which allows two lobs to pair to a singular phone. So imagine a podcast, an interview, someone's a journalist. We could be in a room. You could wear one. I could wear one. And we could record to the same phone. And then the other very big feature is island mode. Every lab is equipped with eight gigs of internal storage and allows it to do two really cool features. One of which is to record standalone right to the lav without any connection to any phone, any camera, any recorder, then pair the lav to your phone, open the app. The app says, hey, you recorded 10 files in island mode while you were offline. You want to transport them? And you're like, heck yeah. And then you send the audio right away from the lav to your phone to be able to share anywhere. But the big thing that the storage does is it completely eliminates the chances or any threat of any kind of Bluetooth lag or dropout in recording. And that's something we learned with the verse, that no matter how up to date your software is, no matter how robust your Bluetooth codec is, when push comes to shove in an area of high Bluetooth traffic, you will have interference. And this is why I believe that Bluetooth microphones are where Bluetooth headphones were, say, 10 years ago. They existed, they're really expensive, they weren't designed well, and people couldn't trust them for the dropouts. And Bluetooth headphones have really eliminated dropouts. We can really have an experience now without dropouts, and that's why they fit critical mass. Yeah. So what we do with this storage 
when you begin a recording with the LAV is you're sending audio to the device just like you would using our codec, but you are also simultaneously capturing a backup in real time right to the storage on the device. When you hit end, the firmware is designed to blend both of those audio files together and with the video. So the result and their user is none the wiser is a video that can be guaranteed seamlessly without any dropouts in the audio whatsoever. In my opinion, that's the best feature uh, of this product because it's the best of both worlds. You get the freedom of wireless and then the reliability of wired. It's, in my opinion, what will make people finally think Bluetooth microphones can be an answer. That's the one thing that's been in the way for so long, eliminating people from, from trusting or going into it. And I see it with all the comments on our page, all the comments, any ad that we may have, they go, well, this is Bluetooth. It's going to be latency. There's going to be dropouts. And then I'm able to send them a link to our patent and our, our codec to say, I agree with you. I'm there. I, I know what you're talking about. That's why I built this. Wow. Just as a gadget guy in general, but especially as an up and coming podcaster and soon to be YouTuber, I'm really excited about this product. In fact, I've never bought anything on Kickstarter, but I might actually have to change that. <laughs> That's so, amazing. I'm going to quote you on that. That should be put in our <laughs> campaign page right there. Cool. It has to be gratifying to see all of this coming together in the way that it is. So are you going to slow down and relax a little or are you already thinking about your next project? Oh, yeah, we're definitely thinking about our next project. It's funny. I'm very excited for the opportunity to not have to slow down moving forward. I feel there's a lot of things that I've been wanting to make. And if anyone is a maker out there and is listening and, and has that sort of itch to create products, we all know the time and the investment and the sacrifice it takes to get to a point where you can, I'm not going to say comfortably because you'll never be comfortable as a hardware <laughs> creator in 2020, yeah. but you have a position to actually start making. It's what makes everything worth it. And I'm on the cusp of being able to have that. And I just am very excited from it. It's, it's like, I can't wait to not slow down. I love my Kickstarter community. They've helped me develop products and I see them as members of our team. And I already am ready to start working on the product that we will launch on Kickstarter this time next year. Before you go, tell us something about yourself that doesn't have to do with professional audio. It could be like an interesting fact, a hobby, something our audience probably wouldn't be able to figure out just by searching on the internet. I was raised in a Detroit-based Italian-American household, yeah. and a lot of kids learn music theory on a piano. I learned it on the accordion. So <laughs> I learned rhythm on the drum set, and I learned theory on my grandfather's accordion. And I've always felt like, because I wore the piano instead of sitting down <laughs> on it, is what always drove me to a more like performative, sort of theatrical approach to sound and live sound because it was always more like connected with me. That's very interesting because when you do think about it, the accordion, it's like a part of you. Yeah, yeah, there's, there's a physicality to pushing bellows on an accordion that you don't get from the piano, which is funny. You're not only factoring into the weighting of your fingers, but you're also factoring into how aggressively you push that. So your body is so important to the sound of the instrument. Very cool. Well, thanks so much for taking the time to chat with us today about your journey and the cool products your company's producing. And good luck and continued success. 
Thank you so much, Scott. And for anyone listening too, if you want to learn more, check out our website. It's hookaudio.com, H-O-O-K-E, audio.com. Thank okay. you so much for having me. Oh, by the way, how did you come up with Hook? Yeah, so he was a mathematician turned physicist, Robert Hook, who was responsible for some of the earliest concepts and renderings that developed into the modern day telephone. And what I'm trying to do is communicate. Our slogan is be heard. And so it's always been a little bit of an homage to him and what he created as a communication device over sound through the telephone. That's great. So let's say you follow the podcasting advice we've given you these first couple of episodes. You've selected a compelling topic for your show, chosen a decent location to record, done some soundproofing to reduce echoing off hard, flat surfaces, selected a decent microphone, and maybe even sprang for a USB audio interface to mix your production. You hit the record button, hit stop, save it as a high-quality WAV file, then what? Well, you need to edit it, that's what. <laughs> no matter how eloquently you riffed or pontificated or even if you're one of those really controlly types who painstakingly writes out a script ahead of time and sticks to it, you'll need to edit the audio. At the very least, you'll probably want to add in music, if not continuously in the background, at least to begin and end your show's segments. And most likely, especially if you have a co-host or bring on guests, you'll find that there are plenty of words you can cut out to keep the message and the meaning the same, but tighten up the podcast and make it much more listenable. Hey, me, I'm a gadget guy. So when I was thinking about how to start my podcast, I wasn't too intimidated about figuring out which devices to use. But this part about the software and editing actually gave me some pause. I wasn't sure what program... I, I mean, I'd heard GarageBand for Mac and Audacity for Windows are pretty much the default standards for folks starting out, but I was still a little nervous about the prospect of editing audio. It just seemed a little daunting. Then a few weeks ago, my buddy, Jose Luis, recommended I check out Descript, like D-E and the word script. It's a transcription program, as you might guess from the name, that uses artificial intelligence. To figure out how and why, I went to their site and watched the short fun video on their homepage that explains the software's features. I downloaded the application and it's been great to use. Yep. I'm using it right now to record this. Now, I should mention the fact that I actually paid for the software. In other words, the company didn't give me a complimentary user license and no one's paying me to say any of this. I just really like the software and I'm excited to tell you all about what it does. For starters, as I mentioned, it's transcription software. You speak and the words pop up on the screen. That's fine, we've seen speech to text before, in fact, many of you have probably used it on your computer, or more likely as a way to send texts or emails on your phone without having to look at your screen and type. What's magical here is that the words that pop up on the screen in Descript are actually linked to the audio. In other words, if you want to get rid of a word from the recording, you don't have to mess with some esoteric graphical waveform, like a sound engineer. You just highlight the word in the text, delete it, and it's gone from not only the transcription, but the audio track as well. They even have a special feature that allows you to remove 
every filler word from the entire recording with just a couple of clicks. Until you record yourself, you probably don't realize the number of times you say little filler phrases like um, er, like, you know, and so forth. Well, you can specify which of these phrases you want to remove and nix them all at once, which right away makes your podcast shorter and easier to listen to. What's so cool about all of this is that it totally takes the pressure off of you when recording. If you trip over a particular word, flub a line, get tongue-tied, whatever, you just keep on recording and strip out what you don't want later. Another magical feature plays on the converse. Not only can you intelligently remove words, but you can add them as well. A feature called overdub lets you type words and have them come out in your voice. I know what you're thinking, it sounds dangerous. Just keep in mind, it's only for your voice. You have to train it by recording yourself reading a specific script they give you and then submitting it. Their AI engine processes that audio and then lets you know when your overdub voice is ready. You can record multiple voices for different kinds of uses based on whether you're going for loud or soft, emotional or dull, quirky or straightforward, but it takes like 10 to 30 minutes for each training session. So of course, you're probably wondering how much my synthetic voice actually sounds like the real me. Well, here you go. This is what my overdub counterpart sounds like. I never said these words. I just typed them into the composition and this is how they came out sounding. To my own ear, it sounds enough like me that it wouldn't be completely ridiculous if I were to sparingly add in a few words or phrases here and there, but not so much that I'd want to type out an entire podcast script instead of recording my real voice. Still, it's pretty impressive. And not for nothing, it makes me feel that much closer to the Alexa voice that lives inside my Echo speaker. So that's fun. What really puts this program over the top for me is that the Descript site offers a whole series of brief tutorials that make it quick to understand the program's key editing features and start using them right away. They show you how to fade out gradually so that it sounds just like a professional recording, and then how to fade the track's level back to normal, how to add music to your work, this happens to be me playing guitar, by the way, and do multi-track editing. Oh shoot, that reminds me. I almost forgot to tell you about one of the coolest things that Descript does, multi-track transcription. Let's say you want to record a conversation on whatever video conferencing program you prefer. If you have a Mac, before you start recording, you tell Descript that the audio for speaker number one, that's you, is coming from your microphone, and speaker number two, that's your guest, is via your video conferencing program. And then, when you hit record in Descript, it not only transcribes everything you're saying live, but everything your guest is saying, and it breaks it into actual script with paragraphs, where it says, speaker one, speaker two, speaker one, speaker two. Windows users can accomplish the same thing after the fact. I happen to use Zoom, which has a setting I've selected that creates separate audio files for each speaker. But even if you don't do that, after you're done recording your conference call, you can drag the audio or video file into Descript. It'll recognize that there are different speakers and let you add labels to each voice. You hit transcribe and in a minute or so, it spits out a whole script, which 
as we described earlier, you can directly edit. Descript has even more features, such as screen recording, video editing, collaboration, subtitles, and something they call audiograms. If you're interested, just head over to their site and explore, since they explain it all so eloquently and they do have those fun videos. I just wanted to give you a quick sense of the program's core features that appealed to me as a budding podcaster. Speaking of which, after a short break, let's use my overdub voice to close out the show. Thanks again to this episode's guest, Anthony Montana from Hook Audio. Just a quick note that while their Kickstarter campaign ended before this episode posted, you can still pre-order the forthcoming LAV wireless microphone at a discount on Indiegogo. We'll put a link to that page for you in the description. Be sure to subscribe to the Family CTO podcast on your preferred platform, so that way you'll be among the first to know when new shows are available to listen to. In the meantime, you can ask your Amazon smart speaker to play the Family CTO podcast to hear the latest episode. In the next episode, we'll be chatting with the head of a company in the UK that's making some cool devices to help you sleep better. Take care until then. This podcast, copyrighted 2020, is the intellectual property of the Family CTO, a division of the Gadget Concierge, Incorporated, all rights reserved.